Welcome to First 100K, the number one entrepreneur voice in America. Why? Because I talk about the things that nobody is talking about, like how to make your first 100K, because that's where I believe 90% of you are struggling to break through, but you're showing the highlights of your success on all your social media, but then you're going home broke because you haven't even made your first 100K. So I bring on the guests that have done it. They have done it recently and they could speak right to it and get you over that hurdle. Plus I tackle common challenges that 90% of entrepreneurs secretly struggle with, but don't admit. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a 10 times failed entrepreneur. I've seen both sides of it. I'm also the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida, where I get to coach hundreds of entrepreneurs how to make their first 100K or their next 100K. This show is created for you, the entrepreneur who's struggling to break through. Wherever you've been, wherever you are in your business, I believe you're just 100K away. If this is your first time joining us, thank you for being here. Can't do this without you. And if you are one of the thousands of uh, listeners that listen to us in over 30 countries right now across the planet. Thank you for showing up here every single week. Like this show does not happen without you coming back every single week. So thank you. I appreciate you. I acknowledge you. Today, our featured guest is Alan Dibb. And Alan, man, this guy's, he's a rock star. He's a marketing guy. So we're going to talk marketing. And here's why we're going to talk marketing because most of us suck at marketing our businesses. So Alan has uh, just published his new book, The One Page Marketing Plan. He's already sold over 60,000 copies and it's used as a marketing text in university classrooms across the United States that says something. Okay, so what's this book about it? The four main business systems that guarantee success. Okay, it's a simple step-by-step process for creating your own personalized marketing plan that is literally one page. So I'm going to ask Alan the questions. I'm going to get into this because I want to know myself. So Alan, welcome to the show. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? <laughs> Joseph, uh, pleasure to be here. And in fact, I think we're, we're up around 100,000 copies uh, at the time of this recording. So uh, congratulations. Going nice and well. So, um, yeah, pleasure to be on the show. Uh, I'm I'm here for you and for your audience. I'm putty in your hands. So, uh, uh, let me know how I can uh, be most uh, of value to you and your audience. And uh, I'm here to talk marketing. Here to talk marketing plans and how to get your certainly how to get your first hundred k and well beyond that. Very cool. So I'm detecting an Aussie accent. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm here in uh, lovely Melbourne, Australia. So um, yeah. Very cool. So let's kick this off. Alan, take a minute and share with us something personal that very few people in your business life know about you. Sure. So um, I think probably something very few people know outside of my, uh, I guess, immediate circle is um, I'm, I'm a tech geek. I'm from a tech background and um, uh, marketing is relatively recent to me, maybe only in the last decade did I take it seriously. But in my first few uh, businesses, I was a dead broke IT geek. Uh, I struggled like many other people struggle. I was really good at the technical stuff I did. I was great at um, delivering a service to customers. I was great with customers. Uh, customers loved me, but I just didn't have enough customers. So um, that's what led me on the 
on the long journey to discover direct response marketing and uh, master that. And now I help other business owners with that. So, um, so yeah, I've, I've certainly had my own struggles in uh, getting my first hundred K and I've probably had that struggle probably three times now in the three businesses that I've built. So I'm on to business number three now and we're well past the first hundred K, but um, uh, yeah, so that's, that's been my background. That's fantastic. So Startup Nation, we are speaking with Alan Dibb, that's D-I-B, Alan Dibb, and you can find him at successwise.com, that's success, W-I-S-E.com, and go pick up his book, right? But first, let's see what's inside the book. That's what we're going to get into. All right, so Alan, let's get right down to business. My audience loves context. Why do you think that 90% of entrepreneurs struggle to make their first 100K? Um, the number one thing missing is that they don't have an actual plan and they don't have a, and, and I mean, plan is sort of, we're getting to the next uh, higher level, but even before their plan, they don't have an offer that converts. So, so many times you'll see someone kind of what I call putting lipstick on a pig. So uh, they've, they've got this thing that they, they're in this idea that they're in love with, but it's not necessarily an idea that's come from uh, a problem or a market need or a, a client that's got a issue that they need to solve. It comes from, it's, it's kind of what they call in Silicon Valley, uh, a, a solution in search of a market. So mm-hmm. Alan, can you uh, give us a story, an example of someone who did that, that you know of? Well, uh, there's, so, there's so many um, products where they were, the best products uh, in their class and they fail to gain market traction. Like if you think, if, I don't know if your audience is old enough to remember Betamax videos. So that they were technically the best laser disc was technically the best. And if you have a, if you have a think about in, in Apple, Apple does not make technically the best computers or they didn't make technically, they didn't invent the iPod, but they were the ones who had the commercial success. So, uh, very often people fall in love with their product rather than falling in love with the customer need or the, the problem that the, the customer has to solve. So, um, so this is where you really need to start. You need to start with what is an offer that will convert and what is something that uh, someone will say, hey, I need that rather than you start you having to artificially create a market. So artificially creating a market does work. It can be done, but you need massive firepower. You need a lot of time. You need a lot of marketing budget. So you can absolutely generate demand, but smart entrepreneurs tap into existing demand. So Alan, what I'm hearing you say is the number one reason why you believe that 90% of entrepreneurs fail in making their first 100K, why they struggle, why they go out of business is because they don't first go find a marketing need and then create a solution around that. They create a product that they love um, and then they go looking for an audience. Is that exactly. correct? Exactly, exactly. And in short, it's basically having a, a an offer that converts. I mean, no one had to convince you to sign up to Facebook. You didn't, you probably didn't drive past big billboards saying, Hey, join Facebook or Hey, join Skype or something like that. You know, they, they filled a very immediate need that people had uh, and they solved it well. So, 
that's exactly the same. So marketing becomes much, much easier and you get much, much more traction when you have, you're filling an immediate need that exists in the marketplace. And then you don't have to be super sophisticated. You don't have to employ all these uh, crazy tactics and hype and everything like that because you're filling a need and it's creating a natural market for you. Mm. What if you have a ton of uh, competitors who are also filling that need in the marketplace that you want to enter? Yeah, and and uh, even if you've got a a um, head start on competitors because maybe you've come up with a particular solution to a problem or whatever, uh, as a natural consequence of economics, uh, there'll be new entrants coming into that that market. And um, I, I love that um, Peter Thiel philosophy where he talks about uh, creating escape velocity where you've really just got to keep uh, innovating and creating that space where your competitors just have to uh, you know just ha haven't got a chance to to follow you and you do that by uh, owning a particular space and I I like to call it an inch wide and a mile deep so uh, you're, you're coming up with something that's that is you can be the mayor of that category or the mayor of that town <laughs> sort of thing. So, um, you know, as an example, I, I use myself as an example, right? So when I started the business, uh, I started success wise. So I wanted to be in success education. Now that's a very, very wide category, right? That can encompass a huge number of things. So then I narrowed it down to, to business success education. Now that's still a very, very huge category. And then I narrowed it down further to, uh, marketing and business systems and they're still huge categories so I narrowed it down further because I saw a very big need in being able to create a marketing plan quickly and easily so um, I almost own that category now in in marketing planning if you search marketing plan on Amazon I will be the first thing that comes up so by going much much more narrow and almost being able to own that category, um, you, you escape a lot of the comp competition. So how do you know that the market that you selected marketing plan, for instance, that niche, how did you know that it would be um, deep enough um, another or wide enough, right? I know you're not going wide, but deep enough with enough clients mm -hmm. um, for you to really monetize that? Very simple answer because I tested. So before I spent the time to write the book and before I spent a lot of time marketing, I tested. So I would speak to audiences and um, like many speakers do, I would do a pitch at the end. And, and the pitch that resonated the most out of all of the others that converted by far the best was my pitch for a process called the one page marketing plan. So when I went to write the book, um, even though I was a first time author and not necessarily knowing exactly what I'm doing and all of that, I definitely, the one thing I was definite on was that this was an offer that would convert. So this is something that would resonate with the audience that I was pitching it to. And uh, the rest was basically me being able to tactically implement becoming an author and doing a, uh, a product launch. And I treated the book as a product launch. A lot of authors don't do that. A lot of authors think that, you know, marketing is kind of below them and um, the book should speak uh, on its own. I don't believe that, of course. I believe a, a book is a, a product and like any product, you do a product launch. So that's basically the way I approached it. So I, I in short, I tested. So test on your friends, test on your colleagues, test on your 
the people that you network with, um, you know, test, test different offers. Did you use uh, your own method, the one page marketing plan on your book, the one page marketing plan to launch that book? Absolutely. I do. Absolutely. I use that, uh, use that to launch my book. I use that to launch each uh, particular product that I use. So um, absolutely. Okay. So I'm looking at your book. It's the one page marketing plan, get new customers, make more money and stand out from the crowd. Right? So startup nation, you can find that at successwise.com. So give us a breakdown of what is in the book. Give us one, two or three things that we can implement into our business right now to effectively market our product. That's maybe we're struggling to get it out there. Sure. Please. Sure. So, so the book is broken up into three major components. And the first major component is the before that's before a customer knows you, likes you, trusts you. Uh, then there's the during phase. And that's uh, when uh, a customer, you turn a customer, you, sorry, you turn a prospect into a paying customer and then the after phase. And that's when you really monetize and uh, increase the lifetime value of the customer. Now, the first phase is probably where a lot of your audience are stuck and where your audience uh, would want to concentrate. And, and so that's then broken up into three major sections. And the first one is identifying your target market. And this is so important. And this is where a lot of entrepreneurs go wrong because they think, you know what, I'm just starting out. Um, I want to, my service or product is applicable to everyone. So I want to get everyone on board. And, you know, if you're a photographer, you, you, you know, you'll think, oh, I can do weddings. I can do corporate photography. I can do family portraits. I can do babies and all of that sort of stuff. And when in reality, if you, when you list a whole big laundry list of services, uh, you don't appeal to anybody. You're, you're far too general. It's kind of, a, I give the example, if you've um, badly injured your knee, would you like to go to a general doctor? Or would you like to go to a knee specialist? So, you know, if, if a general doctor is advertising, we do knees, we do hearts, we do lungs, we do brains and all of that. <laughs> would you, uh, how would you feel going to that guy versus the guy who says, Hey, I'm the knee specialist. So, so what can you be the knee specialist in, in your target market? So, uh, so you, you, the whole idea of this is that you want the person who's reading your ad copy or reading your uh, material to, to read it and think, Hey, that's for me. So just like if you, you injured your knee and you saw an ad for a knee specialist, you would say, Hey, that's for me. So that <laughs> Alan, can I do something different that I never do on this sure. show? Can I do All something right. with you? All right. Let's I'm going to use myself as a Guinea pig. All okay. right. Let's do it. And let's do a mock coaching session with me. Okay. I think this will be valuable to startup nation. So startup Perfect. nation, I'm going to put myself on the coals here. Okay. So I own two co-working spaces here in Tampa. When I initially brought um, co-working to Tampa, it was new. I had to educate the marketplace, right? I had to create a market and that was really tough, right? So for five years, I've been building it, building it, building it. And we've done well. Bills are all paid. We turn a nice profit margin. We do the same profit um, per center that a Regis does, if you're familiar with Regis, uh, you know, billion dollar company. So now, five years later, we went from being the first and only co working space in the Tampa Bay area to now there's 10 competitors, including Regis, right? Local players. What, how do I find? 
now how do I stand out? Right. So like I already have some traction. I already have, you know, members and clients, but we're all, all myself and all our competitors. When someone Googles coworking space, Tampa or office space, Tampa, what they see is 10 different, um, uh, offerings out there that all look mm -hmm. the same. Yeah. Like everyone's looking vanilla now. What, what do you, what's the first step I should do? Well, uh, that, that's a problem. So if you, if you, uh, looking exactly the same as your competitors, that that's your first problem. So uh, it's your job to, to find out um, what points of difference that you either have or what points of difference you can have. So, and a, a lot of that goes back, if you've got a business that's running and you've got clients, then the first thing I would do is deploy a survey to those clients. And I would say, what are the things that we, uh, we do and what are the challenges that you have? Because you're going to find things that come out in the survey that you don't expect. So you're, you're going to find that you think that you're providing a co-working space, but you find out when you deploy your survey, they'll, they'll say, you know what? I really come here for the network. You know, it's full of tech geeks. Um, we talk about JavaScript, we do whatever. And you, you will find out things that, that you don't currently know. So, um, it, that you might think you know uh, why people buy from you, but very often you'll find, hey, there's a commonality that's coming up in the survey uh, that's coming coming back in, uh, again and that I hadn't necessarily thought of. So uh, that's what I'd do if you're a running business. If you were, if you were a brand new business, I, I would be thinking about what can you do that's slightly unique? So, and when we talk about unique, a lot of people think about, you know, they've got to invent something or create something revolutionary or whatever. Not at all. Right. So we just want something that will slightly differentiate you. And that could be the way you price it. That could be the way you package it. So uh, it could be where, you know, like uh, the, um, there was the guy who started selling um, the dollar shave club who started selling men's men's shavers as a subscription service. Right. So he didn't invent shavers. He didn't invent cheap uh, razor blades or anything like that, but he created a slightly different way of packaging it and uh, selling it. So exactly the same way. So, you know, how can you um, package it differently? How can you bundle something in? So, uh, people who are looking for a co-working space, you know, some of the logical other things that they may be looking for would be um, funding for their business, maybe angel angel investment. They could be looking for networking for like-minded peers. So if you can provide some of those other things where maybe you have a tech networking uh, night once a week or once a month or whatever, or maybe you team up with, with the local angel investors to, to do pitch nights and things like that. So where you become more than just uh, a desk and an internet connection, uh, then that's going to hugely differentiate you. And then you, you start becoming not just a co-working space, you start becoming an incubator. So, so I hear what you're saying there. And so immediately I'm going to, I listen. And I'm going to push back simultaneously, sure. right? Because I've gone this next step, right? And right now, I, you're the coach, right? And, and I'm the coachy. I think the coachy. Yeah. Sure. So uh, there are accelerators uh, that are part of those 10 competitors. And that's mm -hmm. what they do. Uh, there are some of the other co-working spaces. They specialize specifically in tech groups and mm -hmm. or they're known for really good networking. 
And for me to take on any of those is just going to blend more with them, right? With the rest. So what I did was I said, you know what, let me, I was already doing this podcast first 100 K and teaching people how to make their first 100,000. I said, you know what, let me kind of like pull some of my members and ask them how much revenue did you do since you joined co-creative the you know, our, our co-working space. And I started to find that, um, many of our members uh, had made well over a hundred thousand dollars in their time that they were here. They increased Mm -hmm. the revenue by that. Mm -hmm. And I said, wait a second, there might be something here. And even though I did first 100 K, you know, this podcast, the show as a side project, just for me, it's kind of like an entrepreneurial outlet for me. Mm -hmm. I was like, how do I bring this into the business? What if instead of just being a co-working space in Tampa, what if co-creative was the place that you go to, to make your first 100K or your next 100K. If you're a work, uh, someone working from home and you're struggling and you just can't get past 60,000 or 80,000, you can't hit the 100,000 mark, you don't come to Co-Creative for the fall walls and the internet. You come to Co-Creative because this is where people make their first 100K or their next 100K. And we create bundles around that. Like, where are you at? How do we get you over the hurdle? What shows up for you in that? You so, like I, I like it. Um, I, I'd push for a bit more detail. What is it about co-creative that's going to take me from 60 to 100K? What is it about uh, this space that's, I guess, magical and will will get you there? Got it. Yeah, so that's what I've been kind of sitting with because I'm sitting, I, I'm, I'm interviewing some of our members and saying, okay, so before co-creative, you were at $50,000, for instance, Matt you know, and he's a digital marketer and he just sits in the co-working space and he just works all day. And now he's at over 110,000. I said, how did, how did that happen? He goes, well, I just kind of sat here and people would walk over and introduce themselves Mm -hmm. and they find out what I did. And then they said, Hey, I need you to do this project. And it's just like a referral network that just organically happens. If I just show up, I get new business when I'm at co-creative. Like, so that's, like that's one for instance, but how do you package that into like a product? Well, uh, I'm going to throw out another idea uh, sure. to you and I don't know, maybe, maybe you've done this or maybe you haven't, I don't know, but um, you're doing something that's, you know, it's not, uh, it's relatively unique in, in that you're a producer of podcasts and I don't know how many of your co-creative um, uh, tenants uh, have their own podcast. I suspect you know, probably some, but maybe not all. Could you package your podcast service? Because I, I, you know, I don't know how many of your competitors would be running successful podcasts. I suspect probably not very many. So if you're a, perfect. So if you're a, um, if you're a successful podcast producer, could you help some of your tenants produce their own podcast? That's, that's becoming a very valuable media. It's a media that's gaining a lot of traction right now. That's something that you could package immediately, get them into the studio and get their podcast off the ground. That's something people procrastinate on for six months to a year plus. Mm. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up, right? Because I, right now you can see I'm seated in uh, the podcast studio at my location. Mm-hmm. I took one of the executive suites and I converted it. And I did it as a transactional product. And I was like, you know what? If any of my members want to start their own podcast, hey, they can rent the studio just like they would mm-hmm. rent the conference room. Yeah, turns out it got no, no traction whatsoever. Yep. And I think the block is exactly what you just 
touched on. People don't know how to get started. Yeah. Like they don't know the first thing about podcasting. Yeah. They probably like in the back of their mind go, man, you know, I've heard podcasts. Yeah. I think that would be huge for my business. Mm -hmm. You know, I could build an audience of following. I could be the authority in my mm -hmm. niche in my local area, but I don't know how to do it. So why would I, so you're, what I'm hearing you say and startup nation right now, I am being coachable, right? Like I'm listening. <laughs> I am listening. And this isn't easy, right? Sometimes we let our ego get in the way and we act like know-it-alls and, and instead, like, let me just sit here and, and really say, you know what? I've tried similar things to what Alan's saying, but wait a second. What I'm hearing you say, Alan is, well, Joseph, what if there's a, a bundled product you could create for your members that says, here's a, a, a A through Z package to start up your own podcast. Like a, a, we teach you a course, A to Z and the studios included. I'd go even further rather than we teach you how to do it do it for them let, let get get them into the studio coach them um mentor them through through the whole process maybe you can have a have a um a, a we show you how to do it and then we ha we actually help you do it uh, a, a second option so where i joseph where i find a lot of the magic comes in is when you combine two different disciplines so uh, that's when you get a, a superpower. So for me, it was combining marketing and it was combining technology. I'm, I'm from a tech background. I understand all, all the ins and outs of tech. And now I understand the ins and outs of marketing. And when I combine those, that becomes my superpower. And that becomes very unique among Mark, because there's a lot of really good marketers, very clever marketers, but they don't know technology. There's a lot of very clever technology people, but they do not know marketing. When you combine the two, that becomes a superpower. So uh, you've got two superpowers as well. You've got, as far as I know, you've probably got many more, but you've definitely got podcasting as one and you've got co-working, running a co-working space as another. So that becomes a unique selling proposition. And I suspect none of your Tampa competitors will, will be able to, to touch you with that. So how, how would you market this then? Like if you were me, like, do you market out to the general public? Like, Hey, this co-working space is where you learn how to, uh, you know, create your own podcast and become the authority in your niche. Yeah. So, so, what, what you offer is very much a, a geographically constrained ser uh, service. So you're, you know, you can't offer um, services to people in New York, in California, all of that. So they need to be in Tampa, right? So, so that that's one one constraint. So you you need to you would do targeting, and uh, I would if I were you, I would. I mean, it's a matter of testing and measuring different media. I mean, we're not going to solve this right here on the call, but. Uh, so you need to do testing and measuring, but you would do things like highly targeted Facebook messages. The other thing, uh, Facebook ads, uh, sorry. Um, the other thing that is people who want to produce podcasts probably consume podcasts. So you would probably do ads on uh, podcasts where other people would be listening to. And, you know, right now I think, I think podcasting is still in its infancy and it's yet mm. to really take off. And I think ad rates are very, very reasonable for, for what, uh, what is being offered so you can um, hit a very very good um, sized audience uh, at a pretty low cost so I would be looking at sponsored uh, ads on other podcasts I would be looking at targeted Facebook ads I would be looking at Google ads so I'd be 
uh, target creating Google ads for co-working spaces and then on the landing page um, describing and maybe having a video of yourself um, describing why your co-working space is unique explaining how podcasts are now gaining so much traction there's a lot of evidence that that that's uh, many many very successful businesses have been built on the back of podcasts and uh, explain that that is your unique selling proposition now that's not going to appeal to everybody which is by the way so and but that's great you want to appeal to the people who are going to be passionate about this medium and passionate about your co-working space so startup nation what alan and i are doing right here is we're, we're literally giving an example using me as the guinea pig of what Alan's talking about is go one inch wide and a thousand feet deep and find that thing, right? So, you know, for Alan, it's, it's technology and marketing combined becomes his superpower. And Alan is coaching me on, hey, Joseph, co-working and podcasting, combine those two and make that your one inch wide, a thousand foot deep offering, and none of your competitors can touch you, right? Exactly. And, that, and that's what it's gonna repel some people, but it's gonna turn on some people. Those are your, your future clients. So Alan, thank you for that coaching, right? That, I think that was like a real scenario for people to kind of explore and go, wait a second, what are my two things I can combine? Startup Nation, challenge yourself. What are those two things you could combine into one superpower? We speak about superpower often on the show. So, Alan, thank you for taking us there. That was really powerful. It's a pleasure, Josh. Yeah, absolutely. What is What was your number one fear that really messed with your head your first year in business? I think... Uh, I think everyone's fear is very similar um, and it manifests in different ways, but it's, it's really, um, I think we all fear not being enough, you know, and that can manifest in different ways. And you, you might feel you're not enough. If your business fails, you might feel you're not enough. If you don't earn enough, you, you might feel you're not enough. If you're not able to uh, generate enough business or clients or income. So, um, I think that's a very, very general fear across, um, uh, you know, not only business, clearly, I mean, in personal relationships and in all of those sort of things, if you, if you feel that you're not enough, then, um, that's going to manifest itself in many different ways. Mm. You know, startup nation, what Alan's speaking to is exactly that. Like we all have that fear. You know, it's a, a lot of my guests come on the show, Alan, and they call it the imposter syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like people someday are going to find out that I'm a fraud yeah, because I am not hitting this expectation, this level of success that I've created in my own mind. And I wrestle with this occasionally too, right? I own two co-working spaces and we haven't broke through the 1 million a year mark. And, and that like annoys me. And because to me, for whatever reason, that's like success, right? <laughs> gotta, gotta hit a million, right? And it's like, it's so dumb how, because people see what I run and they're like, dude, like you run like really successful, two successful operations in a very uh, competitive, yeah, I'm going up against Goliaths, right? These are well-funded like billion dollar companies mm -hmm. and I've survived and thrived for five years. So Startup Nation, are you, have you been surviving and thriving but beating yourself up and calling yourself not good enough mm -hmm. instead of celebrating your victories, celebrating your wins like 
like Alan is really pointing out here. So Alan, thanks for that. What's the best advice you've ever received uh, in business? Um, so one, one of the best pieces of advice I, I ever got was uh, from a mentor of mine. And, uh, you know, I was uh, complaining, this was in my first business and I was complaining to him about how, you know, the clients who we do have, they, uh, they just love us. Right. But we just don't have an, enough of them. <laughs> and, and so I thought that, you know, uh, by word of mouth and by having a great service and great product that, um, that's how word was going to spread and that's how my business was going to grow. And it does, uh, I mean, word of mouth does work, but word of mouth works very, very slowly. <laughs> so you need, uh, decades to grow a business really over word of mouth. Um, so um, I, I was complaining about that to my uh, mentor and he said to me, he said, Alan, uh, when do people know that you have a really good product or service? And I said, well, obviously after we've done some work for them and he goes, so after they buy. And I said, yes. Um, and he says to me, well, uh, you need to become a great marketer because you know, no one knows how good you are until they buy. So before they buy, they only know how good your marketing is. So you need to become a really good marketer because the best marketer wins every time. So it's not the best product or service. Having a good product or service is important because it's a customer retention strategy. But before you think about customer retention, you need to think about customer acquisition. And that's where becoming a good marketer comes in. So I have to ask you, how did you do that, right? Because I struggle with the same thing here in our co-working space. Like yep. our own members love us, but they don't refer us. Like they don't refer their friends. And I don't get it because I, <laughs> I know they love us because they've been with us for two, three, some of them four years paying yep. monthly dues and then yep. really winning in their businesses. Why are they not sharing it? Like what, sh what, what showed up for you when you struggled with that? Yeah. So, so, I mean, there's referral is a strategy and it's actually a chapter in my book and I, and I'll, uh, I'll get to that in a moment, but mm -hmm. um, uh, very much there's a mindset that uh, people think when uh, you're asking for referrals, you're kind of asking for a favor or you're asking, you're begging for business or, or whatever. And uh, I would challenge that mindset. I would say to you, last time, have a, have a think back to the last time that you had a friend um, and you you told them to go see that movie because you knew that they'd really enjoy it, or go to that restaurant because they've got just great food. And uh, did you do did you make that referral because you were doing a favour to the restaurant or to the movie chain, um, or did you do that because you wanted your friend to have a good time and uh, have a great experience, and then that makes you feel good, right? So mm -hmm. understanding the psychology behind referrals is hugely important so people refer because they want to look good or they want to feel good to, to someone so it's your job to help them do that so uh, so you need to come up with a system around referrals so what people do they hope and pray that referrals happen and they're passive about referrals and I've got a chapter in my book called orchestrating uh, generating and orchestrating referrals and orchestrating indicates something very active, not something passive. Intentional. So, it, very intentional, exactly. And so uh, when you make referrals a key, a core part of your marketing strategy, then 
they become deliberate and they become much more frequent and they become much more systemized. And there are many tactical ways uh, of doing that. And I'm happy to out outline some of those, but you need to make referrals a part of your marketing strategy. So uh, rather than something that you just sit and wait for, which is what most people do. So how did you go from, you know, this techie guy to becoming a good marketer, right? After you took the advice of your friend, he said, listen, mm -hmm. clients only know you're good after they buy from you. So you mm -hmm. need to get good at marketing. How did you make that transition when you had no experience in marketing whatsoever? How did you go from becoming a marketer to becoming a really good marketer? I did it the stupidest way possible. Oh, good. <laughs> so uh, I spent probably a decade um, uh, learning through trial and error. Um, of course, I did attend seminars. I did buy coaching. I did all of that sort of stuff. Um, so I did it through self-education, but mostly I did it through expensive trial and error. So I, I spent money, I tested, I measured and all of that. And you know, I'm glad I did that journey, but looking How at it, should now, you have done it? I, I should have um, got some very, very good mentors and shortcut the process. So I should have hired coaches who um, could, you know, cut years and hundreds of thousands of dollars off the process. So instead, I did it what I thought was the cheaper way uh, by <laughs> trying it myself, by, yeah, you know, learning, learning myself by trial and error and all of that sort of stuff. So, um, which, you know, in the fullness of time, uh, I mean, it, 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 I ended up getting where I wanted to go, but it took far longer and cost far more than it should have. So what I'm hearing you say is startup nation, instead of doing all the trial and error to become a good at marketing, they should just hire you at successwise.com. Is that correct? <laughs> well, uh, not necessarily me. I'm happy to, to help, of course, but um, uh, get a coach. And it's, it's instructive that all of the highest performing people in the world, uh, whether they be CEOs, they be politicians, they be sports people, they have coaches. So uh, that's... That's very, very instructive. And uh, I think we could all learn a, a lot from that. I agree with that. Share with us uh, one of your daily habits that helps you uh, to get to where you are today. Sure. Um, uh, the, the daily habit that really has changed things a lot for me is writing first thing in the morning. And I'm not a writer by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I've written a book, um, but uh, you know, I, I get up in the morning, I have a, a tall glass of water and I hit the computer for half an hour to an hour. And uh, initially I did it because I thought, you know, this is a good routine to, to write my next book. And what I found was that all through the day that would stimulate ideas. So all through the day, I, I, I'd get ideas. I think, ah, this is what I, uh, this is something I should put in the book. That's something that I should put in the book. I would be th mulling things over and it would just generate ideas. And it's almost created a virtuous cycle where I've got the material for the next day's writing or already ready to go in dot points. So I'm really, when I get up in the morning, I'm just filling in the blanks and connecting the dots. So I found that to be an awesome routine. Okay, cool. So Startup Nation, Alan saying, you know, get up and write something. Be creative. First thing yep. in the morning, it just gets your mind trained to create, create, create. And it comes up with the, pro the solutions to probably some of the problems that you're struggling with in your business or in your life. Uh, what's your favorite website, app, or digital resource and why? What's my favorite 
website app or digital resource? That's a good question. <laughs> um, d well, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll go the polar opposite is ignore the news. So I don't go onto news sites and all of that sort of stuff. It's funny, I heard Brian Tracy once say the reason why um, new immigrants into the, into the country uh, do so well in business and they're so successful is because they can't read or write and they can't read or, they can't read all the negative stuff that's all in the, in the news. So they, they, they don't know they, what they can't do. Right? That's exactly right. That's, that's exactly hilarious. Right. Uh, that is so true. It's like my first year in business at age 19, right? I did 2 million in revenue and people were like, how the heck did you do it? Like, and everyone was telling me, you can't do that. You can't do that. And I was like, yes, I can. Yes, I can. And like, I just, I was so naive that I became successful. <laughs> that's it that's it it was it was hilarious um what is the one thing that you want to tell startup nation about being successful in business the one thing i want to tell them is uh professionals have plans and have have a plan so anytime we look at any kind of profession or um activity that where the stakes are high people have plans. So if you go to, if you have a look, doc, doctors and surgeons, they have a medical plan. Um, airline pilots, they have a flight plan. Uh, the military has a military operations plan. So if you don't have a plan in your business, um, you're, you're in a lot of trouble. And uh, in your business, the stakes are almost as high. So, you know, uh, partnerships break up, marriages break up because businesses fail. So you really need to have plan. Uh, uh, professionals have plans. You know, imagine stepping onto an airplane and you overhear the two pilots talking and one of the pilots says, uh, look, don't worry about the flight plan. We know how to get there, you know? So wouldn't you freak out and get off that plane? So, um, so that's exactly the same with your business. You need a, a business plan. And the most important part of a business plan is your marketing plan. And, Mm. It used to be difficult and expensive to do, but um, uh, I've developed a process out of necessity um, to make it quick and easy and very low cost to do. So, Very cool. Very cool. So the one page marketing plan is Alan Dibb's book. You can get that at successwise.com. Uh, you can just, you'll see the book on the right hand uh, side of the, of the website. Just click on that. It will take you right to it. Order that book. I'm going to go get one myself because uh, I want to see this thing in action. Alan, what would you say is the, the number one reason that uh, my audience needs to go get your book? Like what, what is that one benefit that they are missing out right now that is keeping them stuck um, under 100K? Yep. That I'll, say, yeah. I'll say it in one word. It's clarity. So if you're confused about what to do in your marketing you're following the latest bright shiny object syndrome you don't know whether to do facebook or linkedin or uh, build a mailing list and all of that sort of stuff that's because you're focusing on tactical stuff so tactical stuff is great it's super important but you need strategy first it's kind of like if we're building a house we're not going to start just laying bricks and we're not going to just start digging digging things up we want to create a blueprint. We want to sit down with the architect and say, okay, the lounge room is going to be here. Uh, the pool is going to be over there. This is how we're going to build it. So we plan it all out. We create the strategy and then we hire the bricklayer. We hire the plaster contractors and 
all of that sort of stuff and then then we build it out so exactly the same with your business you want to create strategy and strategy gives you clarity so once you know your target market once you know your messaging once you know your media all of these key strategic things the tactics will become obvious and you will be able to execute with clarity alan powerful show today we're about to enter my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the hustle round. This is where I'm going to ask you 12 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. First thing that comes to you. Are you ready, sir? All right. I'm ready. Here we go. Alan, what's your favorite sound? Um, <laughs> what's my favorite sound? Um, a drum. What's your least favorite sound? The ding of an email. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? I remember that exactly. I, I used to say I want to be an electronic scientist. <laughs> Got it. Well, you know, a digital marketer. <laughs> Interesting. What are you most afraid of? Uh, being mediocre. Got it. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business? Um, working on the technical stuff. Mm. What secret fear do you have about people? Um, that I don't uh, read them or understand them well enough. Got that. What do you wish you had learned sooner in your business? Marketing. What is a new habit you want to form? Uh, a fitness routine. What is a bad habit you want to break? Um, staying up too late. <laughs> <laughs> pick, pick three words to describe who you are now. Um, highly motivated um driven and happy cool pick three words to describe who you were your first year in business um busy um afraid and learning startup nation did alan just describe you imagine alan sometime in the distant future and there you are standing in front of your tombstone read to us what it says on it um Alan Dibb helped me play a bigger game. <laughs> That's so cool. And Alan, last question. If you could come back to life after you died and tell your family and friends and loved ones only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Um, I would say you are enough and you, you don't need to do anything to be loved. You just need to be, be yourself. Wow. Good stuff. Good advice there. Alan, what's the best way for Startup Nation to get in touch with you? Yeah, so just uh, visit successwise.com. You can uh, join my mailing list. Um, you can go onto amazon.com, look up my name or, or the name of the book, which is the, obviously the one-page marketing plan. And I'd love to hear from you. I, I read every single piece of email that, that comes to me from readers and it is substantial. So I spend a good hour a day replying to, to readers and I, I love that personal connection. So um, read the book, um, connect online and I'd love to hear from you. Alan, thanks for joining us today and I wish you peace, love and your next 100K. Awesome. Thanks, Joseph. Awesome you got being it. on the show. Startup Nation, we exceeded our six-month goal. We now have listeners in over 30 countries. It's time to step up our game. I want to reach 60 countries. 
We want to spread the message about how to make your first 100K and your next one, how to get entrepreneurs to break through that hurdle and the mental game of entrepreneurship. Go to first100k.com, become a sponsor of the show, partner with me in getting the message out there. That's first100k.com. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week. God bless. Yeah.